0: Mark, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful for the visitors that we have today. As always, we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're very thankful for the privilege that we have to be together today. We're going to be looking at Mark, the fifth chapter, in just a moment. We're going to be talking today about the theme, The Lord Can Make a Difference in Life. And we're going to look specifically at chapter 5, the first 20 verses. Before we begin, let me just also make this statement. We have been somewhat inconvenienced as a result of the tornado and we are grateful for all of all of you, all of those who have banded together and helped reassemble a place of worship and Bible study here. And we're grateful for the improvements that, that we have seen thus far. And we hope and pray that in the very near future, things will be back to normal. But uh, until then, uh, we have to just uh, continue to uh, press on and continue to encourage people to come and be with us. And hopefully and prayerfully, when it's all said and done, we'll be stronger, bigger, and better than ever. Today as we look at Mark, the fifth chapter, we think about the theme, the Lord can make a difference in life. And when you look at the fifth chapter of Mark, one of the things that stands out is the fact that the Lord made a difference in the life of one man. We read about an individual who was possessed by demons, and the Lord literally cast those demons out of his life, thus making a tremendous difference in his life. The first thing I want us to do is to just look at the text itself by way of examination, and then we're going to try to make some application to our own lives. The first few verses spell out the difficult circumstances that this man faced in life. Look, if you would, at verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. It is said that the people of the Gadarenes lived east of the Sea of Galilee. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. there have been a lot of speculation concerning demon possession or those who were possessed with unclean spirits in the first century. I would just make this comment relative to those who were possessed, as you read about in the New Testament. And I believe that what they did, they served in the sense that Jesus demonstrated his great power over every realm of nature, including the demonic world. And this is a case in point in chapter 5. But note, if you would, picking up in verse 6, his deliverance by Christ. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Now, one of the things that you're going to see as you begin looking at verse 6 and following is the fact that when Jesus came on the scene, he made a difference in his life. Verse 7 says, He cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. Then at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened and so here's Jesus and he delivers this man from these unclean spirits or from these demons now the next juncture in this text we read of those in the city who asked Jesus to depart in other words they they really try to just run him out of their region and so look at verse 15 then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. And so now we find the desire of this man. And that is, he wanted wanted to be with the Lord. His desire was to be with Christ. But Jesus had other plans. Here's what Jesus said, beginning in verse 19. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Note now the response of this man. So he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, And all all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. The copolis is that region northwest of the city of Jerusalem. It would be just below uh, the Sea of Galilee. And so here was a man that went out and began to publish abroad all of the good things that the Lord had done for him. What then is the application to us today? In other words, how can we benefit from reading this account as recorded by Mark in chapter 5. Well, first of all, let me just make this statement. In the lives of all of us, there are some defining moments. In other words, there are always defining moments in life. Now, it may be the case that maybe we have not fully recognized those moments, sometimes People will refer to certain events as watershed events in life. Well, this was no doubt a watershed event in the life of this man. But there are those defining moments in life that ultimately bring about a radical change in the way we live. Let me just pause here and ask a couple of questions. Number one, who has made a difference in your life? Can you think of one or more people that have made a difference in your life? Has there been somebody that has profoundly affected the way you live, the way you act? Maybe, maybe it was a teacher. I think back when, when I was in school, and I had the opportunity to sit at the feet of a lot of different teachers. And of all of the teachers that, that I had, beginning in elementary school all the way through graduate school. Two stand out. One teacher was an elementary teacher, my sixth grade teacher, and I've often thought that he was probably probably one of the best teachers that I ever had the opportunity to be around and he affected or impacted my life profoundly. The other was in graduate school. His name was Rex Turner and Brother Turner was extremely knowledgeable in the Old Testament. And I had the opportunity to to learn greatly from him. But maybe you've been impacted by a teacher. Maybe it is that one of your parents, or maybe both of your parents, have made a profound impression upon your life. Maybe when when you began to to look at the way they lived, you you said, you know, I want to be like that. Maybe because of the occupation of your mother or father. That was the occupation that that you've chosen. Or maybe that's the occupation that you aspire to enter one day. But the point is, one particular person, or maybe it's been a group of people, those people have impacted your life. What about the Lord? We talk about Jesus Christ. Here was a man that was impacted by Jesus Christ. I was reading this past week about the influence of Jesus. And you just think about all of the great men and women that have lived upon this earth. You can go all the way back to Adam. And there have been some some notable people. There have been people that have literally carved their names in stone when it comes to, to the things that they've accomplished. Some of the things that they've said. In our own era... There have been men and women that have made a profound impact upon this country. But look at Jesus Christ. Jesus has been gone from this earth for nearly 2,000 years. And yet, even today, he continues to impact the lives of people. His words, his deeds, his actions, all of those play a significant role in the lives of people. It was said of Jesus in the book of Acts chapter 10 at verse 38 that he went about about doing good. And there are people today that go about doing good because of Jesus Christ. But again, the question, who has made a difference in your life? A second question, what has made a difference in your life? Maybe there's been something, maybe there has been that watershed moment that has profoundly impacted your life or your lifestyle. There are people today that can say that a certain event changed the course of their life. Or maybe a certain institution changed the direction of their life. I think about the impact of the church. And how many people have benefited as a result of their association with the church. When you look back at Acts 2 verse 42, the Bible speaks of those those early disciples who continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship as a result of that tight-knit association of believers. No doubt many lives were impacted for good. The church has made... A tremendous impression down through the ages on the lives of people. There are some individuals that, that look back and maybe they think about their, their childhood or maybe their teenage years and some of us probably recall individuals that lived on the wild side and then they joined the service and they went in maybe one of the various branches of, of the military. And having gone into the military, when they came out, they were a changed person. And they reflect back upon that time in their life. And they say, you know, the military changed my life. It changed the course of my life. There are things that, that occur in life. Young people sometimes go to school. And as a result of the things that they learn, and through a period of time, their course becomes clear and they make, they make a profound impact upon society because of that institution of higher learning. Well, those are just a couple of questions that, that all of us ought to be able to answer. Who has made a difference in our life? What has made a difference in our life? But now I want you to think with me for just a moment, not just of those defining moments in life, But let's think about some different difference makers in life. There are really three things that come to mind. This man, because of his association with Jesus, changed. As a matter of fact, you can see how the Lord made a a difference in his life. If the Lord has made a difference in our life, how will that show? And what are some things that that will will help to lead us to a different way of life as a result of what the Lord has done? Number 1. Let me suggest that we that we recognize what the Lord has done for us. Had you had the opportunity to interview this man? And maybe if you had just had the opportunity to sit down and ask him How did the Lord make a difference in your life? Let me tell you, he could have told you in a very plain and forthright way. This man recognized with clarity what the Lord had done for him. What about us? Have we truly recognized what the Lord has done for us? Let me just offer some ways the Lord has changed our lives. Number one, he has given us a new beginning in life. Now, it may be the case that your life is not to the depths of despair like this man was. But there are a lot of people in our world today, I can assure you, they have been down in what we call the gutter. And they have lived in the muck and the mire of sin. And there are a lot of those people that feel as if they are beyond the hope of rehabilitation. They feel as if there is no hope for them. That there's no way they could have a new start, a new beginning in life. And yet that's exactly what the gospel tells us Jesus can do for us. He can give us a new beginning in life. How do I know that? Well, in John chapter 3 I read about that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. And Jesus said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say to you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus thought Jesus was talking about a physical birth. And so he asked the question, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, the answer was no. Jesus wasn't talking about a physical birth. Rather, he was talking about a spiritual birth. And so he said, Verily, verily, I say to you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. All right, so what's he talking about? He's talking about a new birth. Well, when we are baptized into Christ, in other words, when we obey the gospel, what happens? We enjoy what is called newness of life based on what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6. He said, We rise to walk in newness of life. Now let me give you an illustration of this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God, but such were some of you. And then he says, But you were washed. Therein lies the difference. They had been washed in the blood of Christ. Their sins were gone. And so when Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, he could say, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What is it Jesus has done for us? Number one, he has given us a new beginning in life. Number two, He has given us a blessed or bountiful life. You just think about all of the blessings and favors that you enjoy in Christ. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said that every spiritual blessing known to man resides in Christ Jesus. You think about all of the blessings and favors that we enjoy because God is our Father. We have this plethora Of spiritual blessings. We talked about the blood of Christ. We think about the privilege of prayer. The fact that we have peace with God. The assurance that the Lord will stand by us. Come what may. All of these great blessings that we enjoy. Now the Bible talks about how God daily loads us with benefits or blessings in Psalm 68, 19. As a child of God, you and I have an abundance of blessings to enjoy in this life. And so what we have to do is recognize what the Lord has done for us. Number one, He has afforded us a new beginning in life. Number two, He has blessed us in this life. And number number three, He has given us a brighter life. Now in order for you to see the brightness of the life that you enjoy in Christ, what you and I need to do is reflect upon our life before Christ. In Ephesians 2 at verse 1, Paul said, And you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Before you obeyed the gospel, your spiritual state was death. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that we were at one time, as Paul said in Ephesians 2 at verse 12, without hope and without God in this world. you ever thought about what it would mean to step out into eternity without any kind of hope? I'm talking about stepping out into eternity unprepared to meet God. You know, people talk about the problems they have in this life. Let me tell you, There is not a problem that you and I can have in this life that can compare to stepping out into eternity unprepared to meet God. You think you've got problems now? You haven't seen problems. That's the state we were in prior to obeying the gospel. Paul said you were without hope. You were without God in this world. In Romans 6 verse 23 Paul said the wages of sin is death. To think about being separated from Almighty God forevermore. In Matthew 25, verse 46, Jesus said that the unrighteous will go away into everlasting destruction. You just try to wrap your mind around that thought for a while. Everlasting, eternal, forever and ever. Now that's the state we were in. And yet Jesus came to provide us with what is called an abundant life. And we enjoy that abundant life now, yes. But we live in hope of life eternal, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. I told somebody the other day that just recently I performed three funerals in the last ten days. Now, you know, after a while... There are certain things you'd rather not do. And I'd just as soon not have to do another funeral for a while. But it's always easier when you perform a funeral service for a Christian. I can think back many years ago, performing a funeral service after Christmas for a gentleman that we had been studying with. And for whatever reason, he wouldn't obey the gospel. He may have been close, but he didn't obey the gospel. You want to talk about a cold, depressing funeral service. That was a terrible funeral service. And what are you going to say? What kind of comfort can you offer? That's what it means to die outside of Christ. So we have to recognize what the Lord has done for us. But number two... We have to remember what the Lord has done for us. I think maybe sometimes we forget. Maybe we take for granted the great blessings that we enjoy. You know somebody like this man that we read about in Mark chapter 5. I mean here's a fellow that's been living out in the cemetery. Whose life has been upside down. You want to talk about a changed life. Let me just show you what a changed life he had from a physical standpoint and from a mental perspective. Drop drop down again and look at at Mark 5. And note verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. You want to talk about somebody who had a change take place in his life. This fellow had a change take place in his life. He had been living like a crazy man. But the Lord made a difference in his life. Is it possible that we have forgotten what the Lord has done for us? Sometimes because of the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, because of life itself, the things of life crowd out our spirituality because of the world. And because of the impact of the world, we forget about what the Lord has done for us. One of the things that the Lord's Supper is intended to do is to bring to the fore of our minds every first day of the week the great sacrifice of Christ. The fact that He died, that He paid the price for our sins. And so we have to recognize what the Lord has done, remember what the Lord has done for us, and then finally respond to what the Lord has done for us. Now look again at verse 19. In verse 19, here's what Jesus instructed this man to do. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Why should we respond to what the Lord has done for us? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, because he commands it. Jesus instructed this man... To go home and tell his friends what great things he had done for him. Now here's what Jesus said to those of us who are alive and well today. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What is it Jesus wants from us? He wants us... To go out into the highways and the byways and talk to people to let them know about the gospel message. Now, here's the question if we don't do it, who will? If you and I do not share this message that we have, who's going to do it? Let me tell you who will do it no one. The magnitude of this message rests on our shoulders. Is it possible that we have forgotten what the Lord has done for us? And because of that, we haven't responded accordingly. I mean, maybe it's been a long time ago when we obeyed the gospel. And maybe that newness of life has worn off. Ever seen somebody that gets a new automobile? For the first several weeks they treat that automobile like a baby. Everything has to be just right. If it gets dirty, what do you do? You wash it. Somebody starts to get in in the car and they've got dirty feet, what do you do? Take your shoes off. Or maybe let's put, put some paper down. Let's keep this thing in pristine condition. But over time what happens? Well you forget you forget that newness wears off. And over time It's just business as usual. Is that what has happened in your spiritual life? Is it just business as usual? Have you forgotten what the Lord has done for you? That he saved you from sin. That he's blessed your life. That he's made your life far better. Look at the difference the Lord has made in your life. So... We ask the question, why should we respond to what the Lord has done? Number one, because He commands it. And number two, because of His compassion. Look again at what Jesus said. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how He has had compassion on you. Were it not not for the compassion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, where would we be today? How grateful we should be for what the Lord has done in our life. I think back over my life and I think about how it could have gone in a number of directions. And because of an influence here, a group of people there, a circumstance or two here or there, my life has turned out radically different from what it could have turned out. Now, I would grant I've got a long way to go. But the point is this. The Lord can make a difference in your life. And because he's made a difference in your life, you can make a difference in the lives of others. We have this awesome opportunity to make a difference in this community. And if a difference is made, it's not going to be by just the elders nor the deacons. It's not going to be just by me. It's going to be as a result of all of us pooling our resources, our talents, our abilities together and doing what we can to make a difference. In closing, if the Lord is not a part of your life, could I encourage you today? Let Him have His way with you. Let him make a difference in your life. Let him begin today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. What better day to start than today? What do you need to do? Well, the Bible says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. The promise is the Lord will add you to the church, Acts 2, verse 47. You'll enjoy that quality of life defined as eternal, according to 1 John 2, verse 25. Maybe you're here and maybe your life's not what it should be. Maybe you're not faithful. Could we encourage you to come home? Why not come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon every sin? Would you come as we stand and sing?